we're going to start a new series on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, it's going to be hard for me because I can't even hardly say the Holy Spirit without just weeping because he is so real to me. I, you know, man, my flesh does not want to submit to anything, right? It just wants to do its own thing. Ask my wife. Now, she won't tell you, but you know, man, if you, I mean, you know, sometimes I could be just a big baby and I am so grateful that the Holy Spirit pulls me back. And, and as I walk as a, as a spiritually mature believer who's maturing, I'm able to adjust and repair, not because of me, but because of him. Everything I face, I'm learning to be so sensitive that I face it knowing that the greater one is in me. Right? If I face any kind of symptoms in my body or sickness and disease, I know that with the same power, I could keep this turned on 24-7, that with the same power, I'm quoting Romans 8, 11, that he used to raise Jesus' physical body and raise him from the dead after he was crucified. With that same power, he is inside me quickening my mortal body. That word quickening means he's making me whole, he's healing, he's restoring me to health. It's like as you go through life, the mighty Holy Spirit, you know, we talk about overflow. That all ministry, all life, all relationships flow out of the overflow of your personal walk with God. It's impossible to walk in overflow without him. In your life right now, realize as you're sitting here today, God, he is, his eyes are upon you and he is excited. He's not mad at you, right? He's not mad at you. He is, he is looking at you with all, he sees you as you really are, and he sees who is in you. Who is sent to lead you, to guide you, to strengthen you, right? To, to show you what to do in every situation so that you walk out God's plan for your life. He will keep you in overflow. He will guide you into the Zoe life of God. And this is what's really cool. He will meet you. See, right where you are today is based on your revelation of how much God loves you. Everything is based on that. Do you honor God in every area of your life? The level of that is determined by the revelation knowledge that the Holy Spirit's been able to bring to you of how much God loves you. Because you love him based on him first loving you. So as I grow and as I'm able to overcome things and walk things out in him, as that revelation grows of how much he loves me, you know when you say wrong things or do wrong things or whatever, man, 
Turning to him makes you conscious of the fact that his love for you is not based on your behavior. He just loves you. And the Holy Spirit is yearning on the inside of you to bring revelation knowledge of how much God loves you. So he's limited by you. You know, he has to, he has to get you to make a decision to start meditating in the word day and night so that he can, to start putting the word first place so that he can bring revelation knowledge so that you could begin to know him, to know him intimately, to where now these things that have been placed in you can actually, as you know him, that they can be conceived. They're already in there, but they need to be conceived. And then as you walk with him, you go through that birthing process until one day you see this stuff in your life, in your character, in everything around you. It all comes as you learn how to yield to the mighty Holy Spirit on the inside of you. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. Well, we might talk about it a lot. I, I, I got to tell you, a series on the Holy Spirit, you know, because I, I mean, I look at, man, you got to really talk about the person, the nature, and the work of the Holy Spirit because you walk with him. See, I learn to submit to any authority in my life, right? I learn that by learning how to submit moment by moment to the Holy Spirit's leading and direction in my life. I become so sensitive to him so that, so that he can get over to me how I can submit to my wife, how I could submit to, to any authority that he has in me, how I could live my life in submission to the Lord Jesus Christ. How do you know if you're doing that? Because you're always saying yes to everything it says in here, Right? And, and you say, well, wait a minute, wait, no, no, wives are supposed to submit to their husbands. Yeah, they are, as unto the Lord. But I could show you scriptures how, how husbands are to submit to their wives as unto the Lord. We're actually to submit to one another, right? Well, how do we do that? Well, I'm just going to suck it up and do it. No, no, good luck with that. I mean, that works treadmill, it stinks. Because there's really no buttons, this is the way the works treadmill. You get on that treadmill and it just starts going faster. The weaker or the more tired you get, the more it inclines. And the goal of the works treadmill is to get you to fall flat on your face and throw you out the back. And then jump on you and say, you no good, lousy Christian. But we don't do that. We walk by faith, right? We don't walk by works. So let's get into this. You guys ready? What a day to do this. You know what day this is, right? Pentecost. So 1,990 years ago, there was 120 Galileans in an upper room in Jerusalem. Now, I've been to Jerusalem. I've been to the upper room. It wasn't the upper room. You walk in this room, you're like, yeah, this wasn't. No, there's no way. You know, and people are all weeping, and it's like, whatever. But, you know, it's kind of cool being there. But Jesus went to heaven. I mean, think about that. He's crucified. He comes out of the grave. He appears. In the Greek, it's a little vague. You could, you could translate this two different ways. 
he either appeared physically to 500 people total or over 40 days or he appeared to groups of no more than 500 people. So it could have been a lot more. We don't know, right? Now, theologians will say they know. One says they know it's groups of 500 or more. Others will say total of 500. I don't care. Do you care? I mean, I really don't care. Jesus came out of the grave. That's what I care about, right? And when he came out of the grave, now, now the church was born. But I'm telling you, when he met with them, when, before he left, he said, listen, don't go out. I know you guys are excited to see me, but you're not empowered yet. Right? You're not empowered. Now, they were born again. He breathed on them. That, that Greek word literally means to inflate. The Holy Spirit came on the inside of them. That's not what we're talking about in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In the New Testament, every time it talks about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, which is a, that is an event subsequent to salvation, it always says the Holy Spirit comes upon. But he, they were born again, but that wasn't enough. He said, listen, you need to go to Jerusalem and wait I'm going to the Father, and then he is going to send. We know that happened 10 days later, right? The word Pentecost means 50th. It means the 50th day. 50 days after Jesus came out of the grave, right? When did we, what's Easter? April 15th? 50 days later, here we go, right? 50 days later, the Holy Spirit comes. So let's read about this. Acts chapter 1, verse 1. The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. I love this verse. Because there's so much teaching by people that are trying to fit God into the box of their experience that are freaked out about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. They're, they're freaked out about this thing that they, we call tongues and all this other stuff. So they try to do silly things, right? And they, and they try to sound very educated, but it's really hard to do because the word doesn't teach this, that it was all done away with, with the apostles. Well, no, 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 look at this. The former treatise, well, what former treatise? It's talking about the book of Luke. Have I made, O Theophilus, the book of Luke, what did, what did he write about? Of all that Jesus, what's the next word? Began, both to do and to teach. Here we are, 1900 and almost, like 1990 years later, almost at the end of the church age, guess what? Jesus is still doing and teaching. Isn't that cool? How is he teaching in the person of the mighty Holy Spirit? He's here today. He's stirring me on what to say, and then based on the ear, you choosing to have ears to hear, man, you could hear some wonderful things because he's the teacher. He will take what I'm saying and he'll tailor make it to your life. It's amazing how that is. 
And it says here about all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day which he was taken up. I love that. I can't wait to be taken up. After that, he through the Holy Ghost, after that, after that, after he was taken up, right? After he was taken up, let's look at this. Do you get that? After he was taken up. So he's starting to talk about that. After that, after he was taken up, he, Jesus, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. So after he went to heaven, he gave instructions, or actually commandments, to the apostles. How did he do that? He's in heaven through the Holy Ghost. Okay? So, verse 3, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion, his passion, the crucifixion and resurrection, by many infallible proofs. You know, it's kind of infallible when you're standing there and all of a sudden Jesus walks through a door or through the wall and appears to you and then disappears right in front of you. Right? That, that's, it's like, whoa, right? It's kind of pretty infallible when he goes, oh, hey, Thomas, um, here, stick your fingers in here. And oh, here, hold on, let me get my robe up. This big hole, wow. Can you stick your hand in there? That's kind of infallible, right? He showed himself by many infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days. And what did he speak of? It's interesting, he never changes. Of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Wow. Verse four and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem. But wait a minute, Pastor. Wait a minute. This is the age of grace, which in my perception as a believer means, what do you mean command? Wait, time out. No, 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 no. This is grace. This means I can do whatever I want, and it's all okay. And that must not be true. He's commanding in the age of grace. Imagine that. That they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which, saith he, you have heard of me. Verse 5. For John truly baptized with water. Talking about John the Baptist. But you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not many days hence. Ten, ten, ten days later, bam, that happened, right? So now let's go down a few verses to verse 8. Look at this. But you shall receive power. This is the word dunamis. That word means you shall receive miraculous power that has been loosed or released. Wow. This is what you're going to receive. Look at the, when do you receive this? After the Holy Ghost has come upon you. This is why he's like, guys, 
you go to Jerusalem and wait until you be endued with this power. Man, if the Lord has us study this, go through it. These disciples went from being scared of all of the circumstances that they were living in. Does that sound a little bit like today? They went from that in a moment of time to being bold as a lion. Boldly, right in the street. Peter went from literally denying Christ three times to standing and going, Jesus, whom you crucified. He went from, hey, you sound, are you that guy? You were with Jesus. Oh, no, no, I wasn't with him too. Hey, not only was I with him, but you killed him. Boldness after that power, that miraculous power that has been loosed. Do you know as you're sitting here, it's amazing to me. This is what's so amazing. That a child of God who's received even the baptism in the Holy Spirit, who decides to not put the word first, to not meditate in the word day and night, to live for themselves, they can have this. See, we get this idea that this miraculous power is just laying dormant until it's released. But the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible says when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, it's released. And they could sit here with miraculous power being released that's doing nothing. Because they're the determining factor. All this stuff is voice activated. It's heart activated, right? It says here, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me. Wow. So now we're starting to see that God has given us miraculous power. He has put the mighty Holy Spirit upon us to empower us supernaturally and miraculously to be witnesses. Statistically in the United States, do you know how many people a Christian leads to the Lord? In their lifetime. You know what that average is? Zero. It doesn't even hit 1%. No more. Now evangelism classes are great. I used to teach them. You know, I, I tell people street witnessing. Man, I done, I've done so much street witnessing. It, it does more for you. Because, you know, it's amazing how God moves there. But I'm telling you, lifestyle evangelism where you just live your life and you pray for open doors and you walk through them and you say what he tells you to say and do what he tells you to do, that's the way. Amen. I mean, that's the best way. Now, I've led many people to Christ, street witnessing. I could tell you this, I've never, I've never led anyone to Christ, street witnessing, where they said, wow, I had never heard about Jesus before. But yeah, I want to accept him. Almost in every case for me, well, actually, I can't think of any where the person goes, you know, for the last year or two, it just seems like everybody's telling me about Jesus. And I keep saying, no, 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 right? It's amazing. But you shall receive power, dunamis, miraculous power. I like the word released, but I really like the word that's loosed. 
Because the power of the Holy Spirit, it, it just, dunamis has to be loosed because he wants to affect lives. Teaching on the Holy Spirit upsets people. What does that mean? You know how many pastors don't do it because I don't want to upset people all of a sudden. Man, people are sitting in my church. Well, there's your first mistake. It's, you think it's your church. And, and, and they might get offended. No, no, no. That means we need to teach it more. Because we need him. I don't know about you. I don't try to keep myself. Try to walk by faith without the Holy Spirit. Good luck with that. Right? And you'll be witnesses to me, unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Wow. So here's something, if you don't leave with anything else today, in this part, these are two, the baptism of the Holy Spirit affects you in two ways. Okay? Number one, this is real deep. It affects you by an inward strengthening. The baptism in the Holy Spirit, there is a strength that comes on the inside of you so that, number two, you can walk in an outward empowerment. Everything, see the baptism of the Holy Spirit, if you read about it, you can tell it in the New Testament. If they're talking about salvation, it's talking about a well in you. If it's talking about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, it's talking about rivers. Rivers. And it's always these Greek words, as we're going to see, they're always progressive. This is something that grows. When you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, for me, I didn't feel anything. Some people feel a whole lot. Doesn't matter whether you feel a lot, that's still just a trickle. And then as you, as, see, we're not just, and it's not just an event. It is a lifestyle. I don't, I don't get filled once. No, no, the Bible says in the Greek wording, it would read like this, be being filled constantly because it needs to grow that inward strengthening. How are you strong in the Lord and in the power of, of his might? How are you, finally, my brethren, put on, you know, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might? How does that work? Do you know, it, it talks about put on the whole armor of God. That's the Greek word enduo. Jesus said right here, we just read it in the first four or first five verses, don't leave Jerusalem until you be enduoed with power from on high. How am I strengthened? Man, I tell you, here, here it is right here. Shalomakondravashiti. I mean, I can't even tell you what's going on on the inside of me. What is that? It's, I'm praying just in my prayer language. It's not a gift of tongues. That doesn't really bless you because you don't even know what I said. 
It's blessing me because I know I'm praying the perfect will of God. But it's building me up on my most holy faith. It's helping me give thanks well. And what's happening now is I'm telling you as I pray in the spirit, revelation knowledge of his word comes. I'm endued with power. I'm strengthened. An inward strength that grows from a trickle it grows into a little stream, then it starts growing into a river, and then it's a mighty rushing river, and before long it becomes an ocean. And I'm moving. I mean, in him I live, and I move, and I have my being. That's the Holy Spirit. This is huge. An inward strengthening, which enables you to walk in an outward empowerment. Guys... The world system is designed to steal, kill, and destroy, and it's designed to create fear and to cause a person to choose to not believe God. Right? Get diagnosed with something where you have to go, go to a medical institution a lot and sit and talk to doctors and this and that. You walk into a place like that, you know, you walk in, and, and what do you notice? It's, I, I mean, they don't, the, our medical professionals are wonderful. They want to help. But do you notice that there's just fear everywhere? And then words could be spoken to you that could create more fear. Have you noticed, isn't it, isn't it fun going to get gas now? Every time you go get gas, it's, it's more money. And pretty soon, that gas, that, that little pump thing will start talking to you about, hey, if this goes much more, I'm going to have to start altering my life. And when, that, when you hear that, you need to say no. They should tell somebody from Faith Family Church because they're like, oh, yeah, you go to that church. Man, I've seen people talking to the gas pump. You don't move me. My father is a God of more than enough, right? Going to the grocery store can talk to you, right? Be a mother that feeds their baby, right, on, what do you call it, formula. Yeah, and you go there, you know, it's not like an adult food. You don't just like, oh, well, this time, you know, all they have is this, we'll just give them that. No, no. That's nightmare stuff. You gotta, it's, it's a specific one. And then you walk in and it's like it's empty and it speaks to you. Oh boy, what are you going to do? These, this is what the world system is like. And yet, you and I are to live in abundance. Fear everywhere. All this stuff. You know, Iran saying, man, we this. Turkey. North Korea, you know, we think we have something that could reach America now, all this stuff. You know, you could sit here and go, wow. Right? You start thinking silly things like, well, at least I live in Nebraska. I live right in the middle. I mean, you know, if it's going to go down, at least we're safe a little. No, 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 no. We're safe. Because we abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I have angels at my disposal, and that's great. But what I really have is the mighty, the greater one on the inside of me. 
When God's power, this inward strengthening, which causes an outward empowerment, when God's power comes upon you in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, inward strength, what is that? That is knowing that the greater one that is in you is greater than he that's in the world. Knowing that, it gives you confidence so that you can step into the outward empowerment. Now, I'm preaching to a whole bunch of people who have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But there's also others here and watching online that have never received it. Come on. Right? But for those of you who've received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, this is not about just receiving it once. We're commanded to constantly be being filled. Why? So that now I become more conscious of this greater one in me and it builds my confidence so that when I step into that fiery furnace, I know the flames are not going to kindle upon me. When I meet Goliath, whatever it is in the form of a financial thing or whatever, sickness and disease, whatever it is, I know that that I'm facing has no covenant with God and I have the greater one on the inside of me. And it gives me the confidence to step into this outward empowerment. Every time. Thank you. We are going to talk about some stuff and I believe you're going to hear some things like you've never heard it before. You're already hearing some things like you've never heard it, right? The Lord wants his church to take advantage. You are not to just be, see, the definition of success in the world is maybe you reach a certain financial thing or this or that. Success in God, see, it's totally different because you're not to live a natural life. You're to live Zoe life. So if you have a business and you have God in you that teaches you how to profit and leads you in the way that you should go, you should be way beyond. There should be things happening in your life that grows to way beyond anything anybody's ever seen before. And people come to you just like they came to the disciples. Hey, wait a minute. These guys are unlearned men, but man, I could tell they've been with Jesus. The wisdom and everything that there was, the power right? You have the power to declare. Get Satan out of your business and declare increase. If you're an employee, same thing. Could you imagine you're an employee? Now, my mind is boggled. You know, when I worked for McDonald's, wow, I think it was something like $2 and something an hour. Now it's like 15 an hour, right? Although my rent, renting a room in California, well, that was kind of high back then, $185 a month. Yeah. I was working at four McDonald's, man, all over the place. Right? You know, I was in Newport Beach. I was in Anaheim. I was, you know, over by Saddleback College, and I was in another one in El Toro, trying to work to make enough money. But, you know, I wish I would have known back then that my income was not my source. Because my Bible says if I honor God, that the mighty Holy Spirit who knows everything. Do you know the Holy Spirit knows what the market's going to do next week? That's right. Come on, preach it. 
for those of you who are investment people who invest, I, I bet if you're honoring God in your finances, there's times where the Lord goes, buy that. Buy that, okay, sell it. What do you mean sell it? If this thing is going up. You learn, don't you, Torian? Just, just don't ask why, just go sell it. Why? I'm telling you, God will make you rich. What will empower you, though, to do that? See, you, gotta, you have to have this inward strength in order to have the confidence to step into that outward empowerment because many times when you're stepping, it doesn't look like there's anything there. I'm telling you, what are we talking about? Are we talking about how to be successful? Are we talking about how to live Zoe life? Or are we talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Yes, all of it, right? The baptism of the Holy Spirit is always associated with power and experience. It, it, it Literally, you step into this power and then it causes you, or actually you're empowered so that you can step into this outward empowerment. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is an outpouring of the Holy Spirit subsequent and separate from salvation. We're not talking about being born again. We're talking about something that you are commanded to do after you're born again. Okay? Salvation. What is that? It's an impartation of the very spiritual life of God. He makes your spirit brand new and you are now the right, you've been, your spirit is made the righteousness of almighty God in Christ and now the Holy Spirit takes up residency in you. He sheds the love of God abroad in your heart, right? And now you're brand new on the inside. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is an impartation of power for spiritual service. That sounds a little odd to many people because many Christians are doing nothing and they're just living their life. Come on. And you'll never be fulfilled that way because you are called to be the body of Christ on this earth. Right? You're called to be the body of Christ on this earth. And that's why we got to preach this stuff. We're living in a time, guys, you're going to see it. It's becoming, there, there's, there's people that are, we're seeing it in our church. We're seeing people coming that are getting hungry. They're, or or they're, at least they're coming going, I got to have the real thing. I can't, the stakes are getting too high. And then there's other Christians that are saying no to some of this stuff that are kind of just kind of shrinking back. So in our lives, we have to be very conscious. We pray that those that are coming hungry, that we can help them. But we also pray for our brothers and sisters that are shrinking back. Right? I mean, preaching this stuff, you know. There's a lot of people that turned off our live stream. Right? People might be making decisions. Yeah, I'm not going to that church anymore. It's okay. 
We'll pray for them. But we're going to preach it stronger. Because guys, we want to yield all of our fruit in our season. And, and we will. We will. And it'll be glorious. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit comes upon the believer. Why? To anoint and to empower him or her for special service. Don't, I could not imagine doing what I do without the anointing of God upon me, who is the Holy Spirit. So many believers are at a loss for what to do. And it's because step number one is you have to invite him to come upon you. And if you've already done that, you need to learn how to yield to him and submit to him and flow with him. Because a, a loving father is not going to send his son out or his daughter out before they're ready. And, you, and whatever God calls you to do, you're going to need the empowerment, the inward strength and the outward empowerment to do what he's called you to do. I love this. So in other words, think of it this way. Boy, this is big. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is not something that you have. It's something that you use. You've got to look at it that way. It's not like one of those things, it's not a checklist. Okay, got that? Got saved, check. Water baptism, did that, check. Baptism in the Holy Spirit, okay, I did that, check. Not going to really tell many people about that. No, no. It's something that you use. How often? All day, every day of your life. I use, I use the inward strength that he brings and the outward empowerment that is there, the confidence that I have to step into that to do everything in my life. Everything. I, have, I realize that in myself I have no ability to see any of this. I need him to even see this. There's things in my life that he wants me to walk, to go from where I'm at into Zoe life. God does not want anything dictating your life. He wants nothing on the outside dictating your life. So even in little things, everything, you use this. This inward strength, which brings a confidence so that you step into an outward empowerment. Right? Man, I'm telling you, he could bring such strength on the inside that you could get so disciplined in your eating that you have, you have confidence to step out and maybe even eat a Brussels sprout. <laughs> I know that. I'm not there yet. But I know all things are possible. Right? <laughs> 1 John 4, 4, I love this verse. You should quote this verse all the time. You are of God, little children. You're of him. Isn't that amazing? You're of God. You're God's child. And have overcome them. Why? What's them? Well, it tells you. 
Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The them is he that is in the world. We overcome not because we're such great Christians. No, no, no. We overcome because the greater one is in us. Isn't this awesome? So now let's jump down chapter 1. Let's go down to verse 13. You guys doing okay? Hallelujah. It says, And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room, where abode both Peter and James, John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, Simon Zelotes, and Judas the brother of James. Eleven of the disciples. Obviously, Judas Iscariot was not there. Because why? Right? He's son of perdition. He, did not, he, he uh, sold Christ out and then killed himself. Now, late at the end of chapter 1, they chose Matthias to be the 12th. Okay? So, but th th they were up there. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women. I love this. With the women. And then they had such respect. The Holy Spirit saw fit to show such respect and Mary. Like, oh, time out. Isn't, wasn't Mary a woman? Right? And Mary. The women and Mary, the mother of Jesus. Isn't it amazing how the Holy Spirit honors Knowing how loving God is, think about when the Father sent that angel to tell Mary, listen, the power of the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you and you're going to give birth. What's conceived in you is of the Holy Spirit and he's going to be, he's my son. And he knew she's going to watch him grow up and all of a sudden he's going to leave home. And he's going he's gonna to go to a cross and she experienced it. She was standing there. She saw her son die. Right? Think of all that she had to go through. I love the way the Holy Spirit, he, he took an opportunity here to just bless her and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, and then it says, I'll finish with this. We don't want to read the whole story. You can go back. It says, the number of names together were about 120. So you had the 11 disciples. Ultimately, Matthias joined them, 12. Mary, the mother of Jesus, other women, right? No doubt Mary Magdalene. Some of these other women were there. His brethren, in the Greek, you could count that like possibly a lot of his brothers, sisters, Right, were there, and other people, a total of 120. They went into an upper room. Well, when did they do that? So, 10 days or 40 days after Jesus came out of the grave, he ascends into heaven. They go to Jerusalem. So, they're in this room for 10 days. Well, it might have been actually, I think, where Jesus went up into heaven was about a Sabbath day journey. So let's just say they were probably there for nine days. Nine to ten. But, and and I'm, I'm saying this for a reason. You'll see this. But they abode there. Okay? They were waiting. They were obeying the master. They're saying, okay, we're going to wait here. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. 
And when, and when the day of Pentecost, the word Pentecost again means the 50th day, 50 days after the resurrection, was fully come, they were all with one accord. This word, one accord, this is a key. This is a real key. This means with one passion, with one fire. In other words, they all, they all were there with one passion, with one thing burning in their heart. They were there to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They were waiting. They were all, none, there was none doubting. There was nobody doubting. They were all with one passion. We are here. We are waiting. We're not waiting if this is going to happen. We know, right? We know he's going to send the Holy Spirit. We don't know what that's going to look like outside of we spent three and a half years with him and we saw what that looked like in his life. And man, think about that. They were sitting there. The Peter was sitting there going, listen, I want what he had. Because this man, power would go out of him and heal people. I wonder if that's why Peter had a reputation that when he was passing through a village that they brought all the sick and they laid him in every street if just by chance he would walk by and his shadow would hit them and they'd get healed. He saw the strength. He saw Jesus bleeding with Pilate and Pilate just in his face why won't you talk to me? Don't you know I have power to kill you or let you go? And here he is in all that inward strength, which causes an outward empowerment. He looks at Pilate and he said, no man takes my life. All these disciples seeing all this stuff, walking on water, they're sitting here going, the one that did all that through Jesus is coming. And we think, well, I don't understand. I don't really want that. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> we are missing this thing. Like right now I'm preaching and words just don't seem to do it. Thank God for the Holy Ghost bringing revelation. They were, with all, they were all with one accord and in one place. They, they didn't all just go, I mean, could you imagine? Okay, let's go in this room and go into the, now I don't like this, now this is not the right neighborhood, let's go over here. No, 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 come on, no, I'm Peter, you better do what I say. No, I'm, that wouldn't have worked, right? They were all in one place. I remember one time, Pastor Mark, you remember this, we went to Rhema, we went to a worship conference. Cracked me up. I mean, this was the greatest conference, so I'm with, I'm with I, how many people were, 15 maybe? From, from here? From here? Yeah, 12, to 12 to 15 of us, and I mean, it was, there was a lot of people. But, you know, you decide, try, try to go with a bunch of worship people <laughs> and decide where you're going to go to lunch. <laughs> if you want to know what that's like, try to herd cats. Go to lunch with pastors, it's just as hard, but it's different. See, a worship person is like, no, I really like the atmosphere here. And no, no, let's go here. It, it, pastors, they're like, all we want to do is talk. Yeah. 
So we don't care. So it's like, where do you want to go to lunch? I don't care. Well, we'll go wherever you want. Well, I don't care. Right? I mean, it, it's almost just as hard. We're all standing there going, right? Now, pastors are picky, though. Because if one guy goes, well, you know, let, let's go over here to this place. Well, yeah. I really like the, the way they sear the steak here. Right? Then there's me. Oh, no, that place is dirty. I'm not going there. Right? <laughs> Look at verse 2. It says here, so they're all with one passion, with one fire, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. Boy, I would love to teach them on this, but I can't today. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. Wow. Could you imagine? And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began and began and began, see, it's not just a one-time thing, and began to speak. And, and how many of them spoke? All of them. And began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Tongues was the initial evidence that they had received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is not tongues. Tongues just the initial evidence. It's like if you have a tennis shoe that you lace up and it has a tongue, the tongue is part of the shoe, but it's not the shoe, right? So let's jump down to verse 16. After all this interaction goes on, I would encourage you to go back and read this, but it says this. So now he's describing. So what was going on? All of a sudden, people in Jerusalem from all these different places that spoke all these different languages, all of a sudden, they're like, wait a minute, this group of Galileans here, every one of us is hearing them speak in our own tongue. How is that possible? They were amazed at it. And here's, here's others. Here's others. Have you ever, have you ever experienced this? If you, if you talk about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, you could experience this. It's called mocking. And others mocked, saying, oh, they're just drunk. When did this happen? It was at 9 o'clock in the morning. Now, is it possible to be drunk at 9 o'clock in the morning? I lived with a father that would wake up in the morning and get a goblet, gigantic goblet, and fill it three-quarters of the way with vodka, and then the last quarter would squirt, and that was his breakfast. And then he would leave at about 6 o'clock in the morning, right after drinking that. And then he had peppermint schnapps that he would drink all day. So, you know, by 9 o'clock in the morning, wow. Be glad you don't live in Illinois. He, he, he was a pipe fitter, and he built nuclear power plants. Yikes, right? Yeah, yeah, what? <sighs> right? So it, I guess it's possible to be drunk, but here's the thing. Somebody drunk at 9 o'clock in the morning is probably a pretty heavy-duty alcoholic, and, and, you know, they don't act as crazy as 
a lot of people that just go out and party and get drunk. So there's some mocking going on. There's other people that are amazed. And then Peter says this. He said, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And he's going to quote Joel 2, 28 and 29. Quotes a little more than that. It says, and it shall come to pass in the last days. Wow. You mean to tell me 50 days after Jesus came out of the grave is called the last days. The moment the church age was birthed, we hit the last days. It couldn't say the last day because it's two days. Day with the Lord is like a thousand years. A thousand years is like a day. Two thousand years of a church age. Last days. Paul writing to Timothy says, in the last days, perilous times will come. Well, wait a minute, that makes no sense because Timothy was after this all happened. Last days, perilous times will come. Well, look at that Greek word. It doesn't say last days. It's final days. We're not only in the last days, we are in the final of the last days. That's why we have perilous times. Why, why perilous times? Because men will be lovers of their own self. Do you know there's people that love themselves so much, they want to control masses of people, and they want to, I mean, it's crazy, selfies and this and that, and it's all about me. It, it's, it's creating perilous times. Perilous times. <clears throat> if you don't want to be part of that, just walk in the love of God. You'll get over yourself. You won't be about yourself. And all of a sudden, you won't, you won't get in the fight that's about to happen. It's an election year where Democrats hate Republicans and Republicans hate Democrats, even though nobody really knows what that means. We're going to hear a lot of stuff. We're not going to hear much truth. I would encourage you, just hear truth. What is truth? Am I saying they're all just going to lie? No, I don't know. Who cares? I don't know, but I know this. Right? This is the truth. So, so you could be at peace as we go through November. You could just be at peace. Right? We need to be at peace. Because that's how you get in faith. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall, not might, it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit, don't you love that, upon all flesh. The Father God, the Almighty, is saying, I'm going to pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. That's amazing. Oh, my goodness. And your sons, well, I've been, I've been meditating on that scripture for a while. I can hardly say it. Father, what, is, what does that mean? Didn't we used to sing a song back in like the 80s? I want to stay under the spout where the glory comes out. I liken that. Could you imagine? I, I don't know if we could handle that. God pouring out of his spirit upon all flesh. Notice he's pouring it upon all flesh. He's no respecter of persons. Wow. And your sons 
and your daughters shall prophesy. Isn't that good news? Do you have children that are not really walking with God right now? Wonder how, what can you do as a parent? Walk around going, Father, I thank you that you're going to pour out of your spirit upon my son and my daughter and my grandkids and my sons and daughters shall prophesy in the name of Jesus. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Wow, that's so cool. So I get to see visions. Did you get that? What are you laughing at? Jake, come on, dude. Okay, you see the vision. I'll dream the dream. We'll get together and we'll take the world, right? All right, that's all right. And on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days of my spirit and they shall prophesy. In other words, this is for everyone. So... I want to finish up, actually I have a lot more, but I want to take some time so that you know. I, I taught on this a little bit, well actually I taught on it in depth when I talked about the rapture of the church, but I want you guys here in our church and, and online, I want you to understand where we are. This is the day of Pentecost. This is one of the seven feast days of God. So I just want to take a moment and I want to list the seven so that you kind of understand these things, right? There were four spring feasts. They covered the first advent. There are three fall feasts that cover the second advent. Don't worry about first and second advent. I'm just I want you to see kind of where we are. Here's the biggest thing about these feast days. Leviticus 23, in verse 1 and verse 2, says this. And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them concerning the feasts of the Lord. The feasts. This, Pentecost is one of the feasts. In the Hebrew language, the, the word feasts is the Hebrew word Moed. It means an appointed time, a determined time. Speak of them of my feast. All seven of these feasts are appointed times of the Lord. Which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations. Even these are my feasts. So these seven appointed times are holy convocations. The word convocation is the Hebrew word mikwah. It means they're holy rehearsals. You could say it this way. These seven determined times in God's calendar are seven holy dress rehearsals. So as they would celebrate these feasts every year, they were all dress rehearsals for something that was to happen in the future. That's why they did it. Okay? The seven feasts in Israel were dress rehearsals of what was to come. 
Seven, in other words, prophetic events in the future. So, the first spring feast, right? We just had it, Passover, right? Easter, right? Passover. Jesus was crucified on Passover. They would literally... They would, they would celebrate this Passover, but it was all pointing. Jesus fulfilled it. He was crucified on Passover, right? Jesus was tempted in the wilderness for 40 days during the Feast of Tabernacles, which represents Israel's 40 years in the wilderness. If you go three and a half years of Jesus' ministry, you would be at Passover where Jesus was crucified. The next spring feast was the feast of, of the feast of unleavened bread. This was a dress rehearsal. Jesus fulfilled it because he was buried during the feast of unleavened bread. The Jews could not eat leaven for seven days. Leaven represents sin. Seven is the number of perfection. Jesus, Jesus perfectly remove the sin nature and sin from the human race. Okay? The next one is the feast of first fruits. Jesus was resurrected. He came out of the grave on first fruits. 1 Corinthians 15:20. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. Okay? First fruits. Then we have the next spring feast. This is the last one. That's Pentecost. It happens 50 days after first fruits. The number 50 represents fullness and it represents freedom. The priests on Pentecost. They would take two loaves of bread before the Lord, representing fullness and freedom. They'd take two big loaves of bread, right? And a jubilee to the Jews. And what it would do, as they would wave those, it represented, now they didn't even know this, but it represented fullness and freedom. Jews and Gentiles all coming into fullness and freedom. That's the day of Pentecost. Okay? So that's the fall feast. What's the next feast? I'm really excited about the next feast. Because this one has not been fulfilled yet. It is the feast of trumpets. Now I'm going kind of, I'm going in the order of our year. Right? We're, in, we're, we're starting and we're in spring. There's a couple other feasts that have been fulfilled and, and well, they're not a couple, but there's a feast that hasn't been fulfilled. Another one that has, we'll talk about this. But the next one is the fall feast. It's the Feast of Trumpets. In my opinion, in my very, 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 very strong opinion, could be wrong, shoot me in heaven. I have a glorified body, I won't die. But I think there's a real good chance that this fall feast... The Feast of Trumpets, I think the rapture of the church will happen on the Feast of Trumpets whatever year. And I'll be real honest with you. Starting at 2021, 
I'm looking big time. Because 2021 and on, right? I mean, we're at the end of this thing. This is a two-day floating feast. This year it will be Sunday. It'll start at 6 o'clock in Jerusalem, Sunday, September 25th. It will end on Tuesday, September 27th at 5.59. There's a lot of rabbinical teachings. There's a lot of teachings in the Torah. I just got a book um, uh, that Billy Brim recommended. I, I just started looking at it. But it, it, it literally, from the Torah, they're all saying that their Messiah is going to come back on, at the end of a Shemitah year. Shemitah, that's everything in God's calendar is on a seven-year cycle. The seventh year is a year of rest. It's a Shemitah year. Guess when the Shemitah year ends? September this year. So it's interesting. Real interesting. 1 Thessalonians 4.16 says, the Lord, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and then it says this, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Okay? Now, for a lot of you Trump people, Trump's not going to die and come back. Okay? So this is talking about, there's a reason why it says trump of God, right? Okay. Everybody's sitting there, well, are you a Trump person? Keep your eyes on Jesus, okay? My goodness. I am a righteousness person. 1 Corinthians 15, 51. It says this. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Ooh, have you ever heard teaching? Well, you know, only those Christians who are really watching and on fire for God, are going all. Now here's the cool thing about this word all. Now after years and years of study, right? It means all. Right? In other words, the whole church is going to be raptured. Carnal Christians are going to be raptured. I'm just believing God and I'm trusting God that I won't be one of them, right? Because I'm not trying to keep myself he keeps me. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, interesting that it says that, for the trumpet shall, uh, shall sound, the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. See, during Rosh Hashanah, this is the Jewish New Year, the Feast of Trumpets, which is a dress rehearsal to something in the future, the rapture of the church, the priest would come out during this two days and he would come out with a shofar and blow it in short blasts 11 times and he'd go back in. Then randomly he'd just come out do it again. He'd do this nine times, in other words, 99 blows of the trumpet. But then one time he would come out and he would blow it longer and harder. That was the hundredth time it was called the last trump. That's another reason why I think that there's a good possibility. This feast was called, also called Rosh Hashanah. It's the Jewish New Year. Guess what's going to happen when we're raptured? Everything changes for us. It's all going to become new, isn't it? We're going to go from faith to sight. 
It's funny, this feast was also called Yom Teruah. It means the day of the awakening blast. 1 Thessalonians 4.16, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. An awakening blast. The feast was also called Yom Hadin. It was the day of judgment. Trumpets are always associated with judgment. We're talking about, see, the minute we meet Jesus, guess what we're doing? It's the judgment seat of Christ, the Bema seat. What's going to be judged? Are we going to be judged for our behavior? No, not in relation to sin, but yes, in relation to did you do what God called you to do on the earth? You will stand Everything that you've done for God will be tried with fire. Only that which, re which remains will you get rewards for. Right. right? That's why we preach so strong. Come on. Because there's going to be a lot of people that when they go from faith to sight, they're going to do what the Bible talks about. They're going to kind of shrink back because they're going to know, wow, I live for myself. I just completely, right. I, I completely said no to the word and I just, we don't want that. That's right. Good preaching. Right? That's why we need each other. So in Revelation twenty two twelve it says, And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me. See, don't, don't, don't be afraid of this. It's a reward ceremony is what it is. To give every man according as his work shall be. I love this one. The feast was also called Yom Hazakaron. It's a day, it was a day of remembrance. See, the rapture is very selective. He remembers all of those that are his. We're all going. Boy, I wouldn't I feel for the people that'll be here after we leave. The feast was also called the wedding day of the Messiah. The feast was also called in Jesus' day the day which no man knows. Bam, there you go, Pastor Lisa. That's amen. Mark 13, 32, Jesus said, but of that day and that hour knows no man. Could he have been saying, I'm coming back on the day that no man knows? Not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. That ties in totally with the Galilean wedding feast, which I can't go into. This is the next feast to be fulfilled. This is the next prophetic event in your life. And we, God chose you Hello. to finish out the church age. That's right. We need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. The next fall feast is the Day of Atonement. They call it Yom Kippur, right? The feast takes place 10 days after the Feast of Trumpets, this one, the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, will be fulfilled in the second coming when Jesus comes back to this earth at the end of the tribulation period, right? What does he do there? He ends sin and brings in everlasting righteousness. The next fall feast is the Feast of Tabernacles. This feast takes place five days after the Day of Atonement. It represents all that is perfected, I think of a guy that I used to work with. 
he was this young Jewish, Orthodox Jewish guy. He's in his 20s from New York City. And he would tell me, I'm like, how's your weekend? Oh, he goes, it's always embarrassing. Because during the Feast of Tabernacles, he'd have to go down to Lowe's or Home Depot or Menards. And he'd have to buy materials because they would build a hut. And all, all Orthodox Jews do this. They build a hut in their backyard, Right? And, and they would live in huts to remind them of their wilderness journeys. That's how they celebrated this. And he goes, it's crazy when you try to explain this to the guy at Menards, why you're buying this stuff, right? This feast lasts seven days. And this feast is on, it's the seventh feast on the seventh month and lasts seven days. Seven, 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 the perfect number of God. So now, you're going to have to wait. Hmm. Wow. No, i got to finish with this scripture. I'll finish with this scripture and we'll go on. Acts, go to Acts chapter 2 because I want to really excite you about this. Acts chapter 2, verse 38 and 39. Hallelujah. You guys are doing good. You're not, your stomach's not grumbling too much yet, is it? It says here in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, it says this, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. The gift. So you get saved and you receive the gift and then it says this, for the promise is unto you. That's the current generation that he was speaking to. And to your children, the next generation. They're children of those that he was talking to. And I love this last part. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Well, that's us. Who is God called? He's a God who would have all men to be saved. This is talking about a free gift of God's grace. You can't work for it. You can't work for the baptism in the Holy Spirit, right? You can't merit it. You can't deserve it. It's just a gift. But here it is. This is in the commanded text. This is a command of the Lord. In other words, child of God, you are commanded by your Lord. You're commanded. Now that you're his child, he's commanding you. I want you to be water baptized and I want you to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's not, see, it's not multiple choice. Oh, do you pastor one of those charismatic churches? Yeah. Gosh, if I answered that no, I'd have to feel real bad about myself because it's like I'm commanded to be charismatic. Not to be weird, to be charismatic. Right? The Holy Spirit is not weird. The baptism in the Holy Spirit's not weird, right? Weird is when people just are carnal and try to move in these things. And you kind of look and go, that's kind of weird, right? But you know what? I sat with a pastor. He's went home to be with the Lord, Charles Tromley. And he said, you know, Tony, when I, when I was first pastoring, he said, man, he goes, I couldn't stand the wildfire when the Holy Spirit would move. But he goes, I learned very quickly that, you know what? 
if you quench the wildfire, many times you don't have the fire. So he says, I don't worry about the wildfire. I just, I want the fire. And, and that, that's, you know, that's the way we live. Well, I hope this has opened your eyes a little bit. Remember, inward strengthening that gives you confidence to step into the outward empowerment for you to be a father, a grandfather, a husband, a wife, whatever you're called to do in your career, whatever you're called to do in your ministry, he calls you according to his ability, not yours. Because he doesn't call you to do anything for yourself or by yourself. You do everything with him. So you need the empowerment. And the Holy Spirit right now is just chomping at the bit to help you. Amen.